0: Lee of Listies of Ceremonies and this is episode 98. I'm joined once again by Albert hocus pena who was on another episode. Hi! <laughs> About three weeks ago. Um, it's, this is actually a continuation of Mental Illness Awareness Week, uh, who's the first guest I had on for this special uh, two-episode Uh, special was Sherry Upright and now I am welcoming Albert Lucas-Pena who will be talking to us about his journey. Welcome to the show Albert, thank you for joining
1: me. Thank you so much, it's a pleasure for being here once again.
0: (laughs) It's a pleasure having you. Um, So uh, let's talk about your journey uh, through your mental illnesses and coming out, and you, uh, right now, actually, I'm looking at this beautiful Halloween tree, which is right behind you, that you created in your apartment. is stunning. I like that. It's so
1: cool looking. So we have the special background, so you know. Well, you know, being artistic that's one of the things that gets you through you know mental illnesses. So.
0: It's, it's just so important. Work. It's therapeutic, and it's an outlet. It's just yes. a very important part of healing. Yes. Let's talk about the journey that you had. It goes
1: back to the 1990s. Well, actually, it goes back to previous to that. Um, I'm gonna emphasize 1990s for a specific. But you know, prior to that, and I want to say this, um, as a gay man and being in the Latino Hispanic you know, families, it was very, you know, taboo or not accepted to be gay, and it took me a long time to get through that. But that would take more than half an hour itself. So. But that's when it started. And the fact that I didn't like myself or didn't even care for my, for my sexuality, I actually uh, despised being gay. And um, to the point that I didn't even see my father. Um, passed away in 19, when I was 15 years old. So from then, it was uh, I decided to get um I joined the military at 17 years old because so I wanted to escape. I wanted to escape myself. I wanted to escape reality. And unfortunately, I just can't escape myself And in that interim, jobs and myself wanted to be a bit more masculine or have masculine type jobs that um, made me feel better and also didn't question other people asking me if I was gay okay or not. It was just a, uh, a period of time. So from 17, then I joined the military, got out of the military, I still wasn't open to the situation. And um, in 1990, I was diagnosed with being HIV positive. So in, in times of in 2022, it's different. we talk about 1990. Um, if anybody have seen the show, codes you would understand where um, anybody that was diagnosed in the 80s or the 90s, that it was basically a death sentence. And that's what exactly what I felt. It was a death sentence. So, I went to a Donald's viral in alcoholic drugs. And I even had a roommate, also gay, but we kept things to each other. We didn't, we knew that we were gay. We did just in a minute, it was just so taboo that we just didn't talk about it until the point was, that we. I just started opening up a little bit more. I met more, you know, gay people and then started hanging out more and more. But it was so taboo in the household that I was HIV positive. He was HIV positive and he never told me and then in 1993 he passed away from AIDS and at that point he was only 24 years old at that point it, took, it really hit me hard so I decided well I'm gonna die anyways it's already been three years since I've been HIV positive since he passed away so why not continue the drugs, alcohol, until I die. Have fun, enjoy life until, you know, it's, it's done. Because in, like I said, those days, we considered the death sentence. And we saw our friends die. We saw the turmoil, we, even the, the, the city itself, didn't even know what to do. So we, as people that were gay, we didn't know what to do. In that same sense, um, that turmoil, the drugs and alcohol took its effect by the year 2000. And that's when I finally decided to take HIV medications. And that's when the cocktails were made. And the cocktails itself, saved my life. That's the point of the 1990s and 2000. That's the turning point for you? At the same time, we didn't talk about it as much, you know. So. We didn't talk about it in families. So I basically suffered on my own. Uh, almost dying, you know. Deciding that, you know, I want to be. And with the cocktails, I became better. The HIV cocktail regimen, I became much better. And, um, but I always felt like I should keep things to myself, like no one really loved or whatever, because I did keep it to myself. Maybe I should have shared more at that time. But when my roommate had passed away, it was something that. I, it was, it was in my own apartment. I'm like, their families were fighting, this is family, no one wanted to admit and tell me that he was HIV positive and he died of And so that was, I figured that was my situation to be innocent. So when it came time for me to make a decision about that I want to live, and I've been seeing a psychiatrist since that day of 1990, and through all the therapy, through all the psychiatry, I felt that, you know, it's not getting any. My thought was, who am I if I don't drink the bottle of the drugs? I didn't recognize myself. I didn't know who I was, and I remember in I believe the early 2000, I think I had another psychiatrist because, you know, you're always getting another therapist, another psychiatrist. I went to cognitive therapy, all that, and this was psychiatrist. I kept telling her, I'm not going to stop drinking. And at that time, I wasn't going to stop the you know, doing drugs. I even smoking a cigarettes to the point that at one time that I went to our office and I was ready to. So the fact that I didn't want to is a big deal and the fact that it was a psychiatry and dealing with all these emotions inside of me, I really had no damn direction. And when I really was um, sick, I had also in my self, I guess, um. I was at uh, a, a hospital. I'm gonna mention the hospital, but um, I called my brother and I told him, "Take me out of here, if you want. If you guys want." Me to go. And he took me out of there, and I weighed 110 pounds or something because wow. the hospital because the hospital itself didn't want to yeah. put a feeding tube or anything; they just left me for dead. And those times, I think they left a lot of people from there. Even in 2000, they left a lot of people there. So I called and I said to myself, I want to live. And I switched hospitals. The hospital didn't want to take the ambulance. We had to take a cab to go to uh, my hospital, which is the Presbyterian. Yes, I'm going to shout them out because of the fact that if it wasn't for me Presbyterian, I wouldn't be allowed to live. So that's mm-hmm. one of the journeys that I went through at that time. That's
0: amazing you've overcome so much and you just an uh, epitome of resilience
1: and creativity and strength. Thank you so much. After that trial and tribulations of life and everything, I started a new uh, course, stop drugging and drinking. You know, I was so so distraught in regards to what I went through that I I started getting anxiety attacks, panic attacks. The panic attacks and, and the anxiety things were so extreme that I didn't even want to leave my own apartment. I had a job that I worked for the Department of Probation. It was just so hard to just even take the it was, so, it was so hard that I used to, which is very illegal, to stand in the middle of the trains, in between the trains. My journey was I had to travel between the cars because I couldn't deal with the fact that I was in the car and with all those people. I had so much anxiety that I couldn't wait on a line. I had so much anxiety that it took me 30 minutes to get to the first floor when I lived on the first floor third floor, to go into the grocery store. and a lot of times I did that on my own because I just didn't want, I didn't want no one else to be involved in my situation, no family, no nothing, because of all the history that was prior to that, but I just didn't realize how much they did me and it took a while for me to realize how much they did really care, and I had to quit my job, and uh, I worked for the Department of I had to quit my job because um, I, I was still doing drugs and alcohol just to uh, make it and feel like I had any type of strength and of course alcohol is self-medication the issue was if you do other types of drugs like cocaine, I never did crack I never, but the cocaine was something that would and I found out later in years that it does affect the way anxiety and panic affects you the way all that affects you, the way you actually um move and live so i had to find out the heart
0: at what point did you start performing and making
1: friends with other artists, and decorating, and just blossoming. Yeah, well, after all these years, when I found out that I was HIV positive in 1990, I also found out that I had Hepatitis C, which at that time, you know, Hepatitis C, blah, 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 what the hell is Hepatitis C? Something you can't share because, you know, we didn't know the difference between Hepatitis A, Hepatitis B, and Hepatitis C. We just thought hepatitis was something that was, you know, some regular BS type of thing. But um, it honestly affected my liver. And people could have hepatitis C for many, 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 many years. 20 years. If you were born before 1965, you did have a transfusion that was hepatitis C. I personally don't know where I got it from, but I'm assuming it was sexual. But at the same time, I didn't um, take it seriously at the beginning. And then... um, when I was at the my regular doctor, seeing my psychiatrist, seeing my regular doctor for HIV and all that, I actually took um, medications that were uh, was an injection, an injection to cure my hepatitis C. Now, the injection was once every week, and I was told that I had to take this for 12 months. It ended up that I was taking it for 14 So you could imagine a human being going to the doctor's office each week to get an injection in your stomach to try to cure your hepatitis C. And for 14 months, I was not cured. 14 months without missing one appointment, not one. 14 months I spent Taking and injection of my stomach. That's true. Champion, that's a, a good situation where you say, damn, I do wanna leave. But um unfortunately, since it didn't work, I think that was like two thousand ten. Two thousand twelve I did some things were happening in my body and the ammonia levels were rising. I'm not gonna get into the technical terms, because it's not going to make a difference. The situation was, I was dying from hepatitis. Not from HIV, not from anything else. I actually stopped up, um, drinking in 2010 and drug in 2010. So that's when I joined Facebook. People were like, oh, finally you joined Facebook. Oh, wow. And then that's when I gave it the title Crocus, which means cheerfulness, gladness, and happiness. So that's what I was striving for. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to share and give cheerfulness, gladness, and happiness. But unfortunately, in the 2012 2013, my mind was not there, and I would even my families will call me and say what's wrong with you they, they thought that i was doing drugs even the doctors thought that i was doing drugs because i was so tired and, and then eventually um what happened to C was very bad and they told me that you need to be interviewed for uh liver transplant and that's when my psychiatrist came in and she you know, advocate for me to, to, from one hospital to another, to say that um, he's a great candidate to get him a chance. Please give him a chance. And I was given that chance and on September 18th, 2013. I was given three months to live. Wow. But one month later, I could, I, before that one, Tennessee just moved up the numbers. And in one month, October 18, 2013, I was given a living transplant. Just one month later, they told me I had only three months to which, which would have been around my birthday, like January. I had received a living transplant in 2013. It's going to be a 10 year anniversary in, uh, it's nine years of the like 10. I'm gonna probably do something but in two thousand fifteen. Well okay. Let's get to the artistic situation, right? Yes. <laughs> After I had my little transplant, of course I lost a lot of friends and I just started a new. And I started joining these music groups on, on, on Facebook and used to be a freestyle music. Which is what you you know, you mentioned before how I got my style of dancing and <laughs> freestyle. I actually, you know, ventured out in 2014, I met some people, I was at the uh, Lumen uh, Díaz Junior, Bronx President event, and from there I met some wonderful people, and from there it grew. And, you know, you know how Facebook is, you know, they say, meet this person, meet that person, Then eventually I started going out, but I didn't. Um, have I still had the anxiety, I still had the nervous, I still had the, well, that inside of me, and I was still, and I was taking medication to relieve my anxiety, but then um, in 2015, uh, after meeting these friends, I uh, decided to perform in October 2014 at uh, Bronx Academy of Arts and Dance. And I did a song called Take Me to Church, which was very important because of the storyline of Take Me to Church. So if you don't know it, look it up. And then from there on, um, in 2015, my uh, 50th birthday, um, those same people that um, I met actually performed for my 50th birthday and that's when I also performed all About That and I had Tim Morse. he performed the song um, that meant a lot to both of us it was called I Am Changing and when, the song is by Jennifer Holiday and the song talks about I Am Changing and I told him to relate the song to him because he also had issues with alcohol and drugs in his past right behind his back but I told him do that song for us and I sat on a, on a chair and he stayed and he sang the song and he, he was like in tears and I'm like I'm in tears too because in his notes he said he wouldn't know that he didn't know that he was going to survive he didn't know that I was going to be scared. and I was scared. and from then on I decided that you know I'm gonna. This feels good. This gives me strength. Performing on stage and trying my best to not feel scared. So it was an apartment situation, and I loved the apartment of being on stage and telling a story. Or it it could be somebody else's story, but it was a part. It was a story. The song was. uh, Whatever I did with songs, I, I love being in front of, in front of people. It's, like, it's like I needed to do this. the same the same way that I needed to be in front of people and tell my story, especially to um to our trainees that were, were becoming doctors and they just and I just wanted to tell my story of how and the struggles that I went through and where I'm at now. So they,
0: that's so beautiful. Would you say Facebook was the catalyst to set you on this
1: positive? Road? Say the fact that um, going to that event in 2014 for the Ruben Diaz neighborhood and seeing uh, you know, my friends—well, they weren't friends at that time—but um, seeing them and then, you know acquiring their friendship and then in 2015 because they were performers they said well why don't you perform with us and that's where it started and I performed with them on my 30th birthday and I don't know if you know Tyra Ross from Pose the TV show Pose to, she actually performed On my favorite birthday too Now she has become more famous And everything And then uh, I, I have my friend Sylvester perform And now he has his I think fourth um, album And I'm like So proud of these people You know, Not everybody made it famous But you know Some of them did But at the same time That's was the catalyst for me to Feel that I need to be on stage whenever I do. I'm not considered a a, a, a performer. I'm a lip singer in that same sense. But um, I still say that I perform. You know, you've see my, my, my performance. Uh, I don't know if you could add that uh, performance I did with uh, that I sent you the link to, I'm Alive, or Bird Set Free. All the songs have meaning and all the songs have the meaning of shrimp. That's what I love to
0: do. Wow, that's great. So you decided to just take the leap when you were invited to perform that first time.
1: Yeah, because it felt good. And plus, you know, you have to challenge yourself. I think in life with, with mental illnesses and, you know, when you have, you know, obstacles in front of you, whatever obstacle that is, um, not letting you go to where you need to be. You take that challenge and those obstacles are things that you need to conquer. So the obstacle for me is that I have social anxiety, anxiety, and panic attacks. And it usually involves me being in a setting where there's a lot of people. So going up on stage, and submitting myself to a situation that i am so uncomfortable with but yet conquered that is what you call strength that is what you do deal with on a daily basis with a lot of things so whatever you're fearful of strive to conquer. do your best and believe me the first time that i was on stage I had so much anxiety (laughs) that I had to take a couple of extra pills to calm me down. But at the same time, I saw the performance. They saw my performance and it's like, wow. You know, and I put a lot of energy into what I do. I mean, I had these wings that would just flare up while I was performing, inflatable ring wings. And that's how exactly how I did a lot of my performances. I always uh, try to involve wings—wings wings of wind, wings of wisdom, wings of strength, wings of glory, and you always rise. And there was a situation where most of my performances had some type of wings, either by manually or inflatable, whatever. Some type of wings that would tell me I am strong, and that's what—that's what. That's what um, help me deal with my depression, anxiety, and mental illness. Oh,
0: and the wings symbolize rising
1: the above wing. your circumstances, too. There are actually wings on this tree, but you probably can't see them because they're in the back. Back here? Yeah. But they're white. They're white wings, they're white wings back. Those are the wings that I actually performed in. In, in one of my performances. And I keep them there because uh, the person that took care of me when I was sick, he passed away, he passed away from a drug overdose. And I dedicated the song to him. And I was speaking to God, asking why he passed away. Why you, why you took him. So I kept my wings and I had this these wings on there for a whole year. I have not taken that tree now. I just changed it up. And I actually took a course and drug overdose just to, uh, just in case someone out there needs my help. And that's a, a, a good thing. Um, power strength to help my mother, to make people feel about themselves, about myself. It's always a Two-way street. Do things to make you feel good, to make them feel. Good. To keep both of us trying, Both. Of us that's
0: great. It's a strength that you share with each Thank other. What type of advice would you give other people who are going through difficult times
1: that be well, similar to what you went through? Um. Don't give up, there's always someone out there that will, will listen to you. Just pay attention to those that listen to you. Don't listen to all the negativity because there's a lot of people out there that will try to bring you down. and tell you that you're not good enough or whatever. When you, if you feel good enough, that's, that's good. There's a lot of times when people give you advice And sometimes that advice doesn't mean anything. Take the advice of those that give you strength. You can't just say, oh, get over it. Oh, go see a psychiatrist. You need to find yourself and say, I am worthy. I am loved. And there are people out there that love me for who I am. You just got to surround yourself with those people. You just got to Find them and envelop them yourself with them. If it wasn't from that time from 2014 to what I'm doing now, I have met so many, many fabulous people. That's when I started styling and decorating, and my whole apartment is just, I live by myself. My dog Chewy doesn't care about my decorations, <laughs> he doesn't care how I do this. Either. He just cares that he gets fed and can, he can hug me in the middle of the night, whatever and vice versa. But um I've been to I've been invited to many places, you know, and I've heard so many great things from because uh, I remember you telling me, I says, Oh, when well, we went to that event for Tim Moss for his sixtieth birthday The same Tim Moss that sang for my fiftieth birthday, you saw me there at uh, his sixtieth birthday. And he just actually um sang for me, um, this September, when I had the uh, music 45 singles. Do you remember those 45 singles, the little t- vinyl records? And he and we had a whole bunch of people at the house, and um, he was there, a whole bunch of people there. And I would never have met these people and they're in the fashion industry, the they're artists, they're singers, and all that stuff. So, all that was. Just making you feel good. So you surround yourself with all these people that are positive, and then enlighten, and that give you that praise that 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 is meaningful, and that praise that says, "You know what? You're a good person. What you can do is is good." And through all the craziness that we've been through, because I know a lot of people are through a lot of craziness. You are special. And you've got to embrace that specialness inside. Don't listen to all the negativity. Don't listen to the Facebook things. Don't listen to the ones that are closest to you. And, and the only ones that are going to be closest to you is the one that has been there since day one. And you always, and don't, don't think that. You might have friends that was in the past, but sometimes you got to start with Sometimes you got to let go of what was before and let go of those same people that was before because they can encourage you. You got to step up. Life is all about stepping up and encouraging and give you positive feedback on everything that you do.
0: Thank you so much. That's wonderful advice. And You're such an inspiration, a brave role model. <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you so much. I, I truly appreciate it I, I, and, I, and I thank you for giving me this platform when um, I honestly wasn't ready to either share or wasn't given the opportunity, but um, I'm glad that I shared. This is the first time that I've actually opened up in that same sense of uh, my vulnerability, and we're all vulnerable always in some stage of life with our significant others with life with in general. So it takes a lot of courage to even be and say what I have to say. Maybe it took me a long time to think, but I finally say what I have to say.
0: And thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of State of the Arts. I encourage all of you to stay safe, stay positive, and stay true to your dreams. Take care everyone.